Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome in here Tuesday afternoon. Dana Park's coming up an hour from right now. Um, we have a couple of quick stories to get to here. There are a lot of crash stories today. There are just a lot of stories involving cars. I want to get to this one in Florida here real fast about the cars that look like patrol cars and those people thinking that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, weird one. Um, we had a little bit of this last week, and we mentioned to you that there was a pickup truck in Florida that had been pulled over because it was done up to look kind of like a cop car. It was a white pickup truck, and it had, um, you know, it had the lights on top, which you're not supposed to do unless they're not blue and red. More on that in a minute. Um, so they got in trouble for that. But on the back of the truck, instead of saying Highway Patrol or State Patrol, it said Booty Patrol, and had things on the back of the on the tailgate of the truck that said Send Nudes and mm -hmm. you know, other little. It, it, so it was obviously a joke. But they got in real trouble because the, they made the truck look a little too much like an actual cop car. Even though it didn't say police on it and it didn't have a police logo on it, it looked a little too close. So they ended up getting cited for that. And apparently they're not the only ones. Yeah, so this was out of Local10.com. Um, there's a woman accused of wrapping a Dodge Charger to imitate a Florida Highway Patrol vehicle. And in fact, troopers pulled it over and and chatted with this woman about it yeah they did because uh in in florida and this was one of the weirder things to come out of this article uh first of all they they use dodge chargers for the highway patrol cars so it started already kind of looking like one but when she put the wrap on it she became illegal and they told her that uh that she was also in trouble for misusing a dealer tag <laughs> boy we've never heard of that around here have we um <laughs> operating a motor vehicle without registration so she had all kinds of things going on but what one of the cops mentioned in this article was that the florida highway patrol's color scheme is black and tan and what they said is under florida law only florida highway patrol cars can have that black and tan color scheme so even if your car isn't logoed at all and has no other markings that would lead somebody to believe you're a cop you cannot have a car that's painted black and tan in florida yeah the quote is anyone that tries to imitate or tries to utilize that same paint scheme it is a first degree misdemeanor in florida which, how much do they enforce that? Uh, yeah, I don't know how you even get away with that, considering the fact that there are cars, even today, I mean, we don't see two-tone paint jobs a lot on cars mm -hmm. anymore, but there are yeah. cars that you can buy today that have that are available in a black and tan color scheme. What if you buy the car in a different state 
and where then, it's perfectly fine to have that color scheme and then move to Florida. Or, or just drive it into Florida. You, know, you yeah. go on vacation or whatever, you have no idea. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they just said it doesn't matter. I guess they would probably have to take that into account. The first vehicle that I thought of, of in terms of what, what would I normally see driving around that would be black and tan, is a Jeep. Like a Jeep Wrangler. Sense. Yeah, because yeah. a tan Jeep Wrangler. I mean, there's a million of those, and a lot of them have the hard top is black. So, okay, if you drive a black or a tan Jeep that's got a black hard top on it, that, that plastic top that they put on them, are you in violation of the law in Florida? It seems like you would be. And how is that legal? Right. How is it legal to be able to tell people what color you can paint your car? Especially when. You can go, uh, for example, if, you, if you're if you in a town where the black and whites actually are black and white, mm-hmm. um, they, they have that color scheme where usually it's the, the, the hood of the car and the trunk of the car that are white, and then the doors are black or vice versa. So if you have something like that, you could go to a police auction, buy an old patrol car. The only rule is they have to black out the logo. And, and anywhere that it says police and take all the lights off of it and all of that stuff. But it's still painted black and white, so you're still painted like a cop car. 913-586-7798 if you want in here. Uh, Jacob has called us up with some thoughts hey, in Jacob. Plant City. Oh, well, you should have known I'd been calling in on this one. Yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say some departments, they do sell their cars, still fully outfitted. I have bought a few. Um, as far as, so I got to tell Colin. This, the whole booty patrol, I don't know if I can say the, the, the word, but the T patrol, the TH, you uh-huh. know what I'm getting at here. Yeah. Um, so all of that, that looks like a, a border patrol vehicle. All that makes, there's Facebook groups for all the emergency equipment that I deal with. Um, so it's made its way through all of that. Um, but with that said, Florida Highway Patrol has a very distinct color and is very well known that you cannot mimic your vehicle in that color there are several states like that as well and no surprise california you you get a lot of trouble for driving around in a black and white they don't even allow you um to have amber lights on your regular vehicle you have to have a reason to have them so you have to like have a private security job or something like that even if you're not red and blues yeah so to have like yellow lights on your vehicle in california you have to have the like construction security and something like that yeah so um like like missouri kansas most of the midwestern states they're pretty relaxed on most of that but they're a lot of the new england states and the east coast states and uh california they are very very strict when it comes to this stuff and they will hammer you yeah um maybe you can settle something for me because i've always wondered about this when i was in florida there was a very hard and fast rule about you could not have a red light on your car past the the beginning of the driver's door. So if you had a red light on your car, it had to be on the back. Like brake lights, tail lights, that, that was fine. No. But, it, but, but, but hang on a second. And you couldn't have a blue light anywhere on your car. There was one exception to that, which I'll get to in a second. But I see cars around here with blue neons all the time. Is that legal? Does anybody, I mean, is, is the law against it, or do they just not care? Um, so technically, no. The, the neon lights in your vehicle is not really legal anywhere. 
Okay. Um, the, the, the whole blue light thing in Florida, and it kind of applies to several other states as well, um, Arkansas, Georgia, um, states that use – so let's go back to uniformity here for a second. There are certain states that use red and blue light, certain states that use all red lights, and certain states that use red and blue um, for fire and fire EMS and police. It differs with a lot of yep. – like around here, everybody uses red and blue. But those, those states down there – Georgia, Florida, they use blue lights for law enforcement. Yeah, they, now, they, they, at least Highway Patrol does. Yeah, uses all blue yeah. lights. So you could get an impersonating charge if you have a blue light on your vehicle. But the, the red light on the front of the vehicle is more of a federal law um, on any vehicle, truck, trailer, car, amber white to the front, red on the rear. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. So as, as far as the neons, they're just getting away with it because nobody's pulled them over yet? comes down to uh like like i said some states enforce it really heavily and yeah. some just don't okay all right jacob thanks yeah it's uh it is a weird thing and i the the one exception that i was talking about is up until i think it was like 1930 something it was not uncommon for cars to have a blue dot in the middle of their taillight so really? you'd, you'd okay. have a you'd have a red taillight and then a, a little blue dot in the middle of it um some antique car guys will put them on cars that didn't originally have them. You're not supposed to. It makes your uh, taillights look purple, but it, it violated that rule against having a blue light anywhere on your car. So they were technically uh, technically illegal anywhere in Florida unless your car came with them as original equipment. <laughs> Text line's got all think, kinds of things. Feel free to give us a call, 913-586-7798 if you want thoughts on this. Uh, still to come, there is a change that is coming to The Simpsons. It's a pretty noticeable change. It's a pretty popular uh, feature of that show that's going to be changing. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Talking about the story out of Florida, uh, where you cannot, by law, have a vehicle that has the paint scheme of the Florida Highway Patrol. Yeah, it's just an odd thing that it's a misdemeanor. Uh, it was speculated. I was going back and forth a little bit with my wife who used, used to work for the state attorney's office down there. And she said they prosecuted a couple of cases like this, but they were cases where somebody actually was impersonating a police officer. Yeah. And her thought on it was the reason they put it in the law that you can't even have the color scheme on your car is it gives you probable cause to pull the guy over and make sure that it's just the color on his car, that he's not trying to impersonate a cop. Got it. Carrying a it badge or whatever. Makes sense. Let's go to Joe in Grantville. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. Uh, good afternoon. How you doing? Doing well. Great. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I feel, and I understand the reason why they say you, know, you can't have the same paint scheme as an emergency vehicle because you really, as John Q. Public, want to be able to see that vehicle and know, hey, that person can help me. Uh, and I think if they're going to say that uh, the average person can't have the same kind of paint scheme as them as, you know, black and tan or black and white or silver and blue, then the police department or sheriff or high patrol, they should only be allowed to use those. No more of these black cars with black stickers or white cars with white stickers, you know, undercover. They should be easily visible and discernible between any other vehicle on the road. Yeah, I, and I guess it depends on which department you're talking about because um, I'm thinking, well, the, the Shawnee police cars are just the regular, you know, local Shawnee police. They're just yeah. black. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of local police that just have a solid color. Yeah. 
but I feel if, if there's any department that says, hey, you can't look like our cars, then they should only be able to use those colors so that, like I said, they're discernible between other vehicles on the road. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. I love it, Joe. Thank you. Um, yeah, good call. So, yeah, maybe that's the answer is to just use things that – I mean, I mean, you go back to the 50s, you had three-color schemes that were just, some of them right. were pretty hideous. But, yeah, I mean, if you do something like that, that no nobody other than a cop would, would normally get on their car, then sure. Yeah. All right. Thanks to everybody uh, for every, a lot of information coming in on that one about different states as well. Okay. A uh, story came out of Channel 9. I do not watch The Simpsons, but I totally appreciate its role in pop culture and and how long it's been on the air and the number of different people that have voiced these characters over the years. And and I I just totally appreciate how it exists. They are going to make a change. Some of you are already texting in about it. (laughs) They apparently made this decision a long time ago. That's fine. Um, But there's something that happens a lot on this show that they're not going to do anymore. Yeah. Homer is no longer going to strangle Bart. Uh, I also am not a frequent watcher of The Simpsons. I mean, I liked it when it was a segment on the Tracy Ullman show, but, you know, after a time it starts to get a little cloying. Um, but I, that I mean, when you have something like that that's a signature, I kind of felt the same way about it when they had the, the new, they were talking about doing a new version, they may have already done it, of the, the old Warner Brothers cartoons, like the Bugs Bunny cartoons, mm-hmm. but they weren't going to let Yosemite Sam carry a gun. It's like, but that's what he does. I mean, he's the rootinest, tootinest, shootinest, whatever. So uh, making these kind of changes, when you've built your act on a particular theme, taking it away seems kind of ridiculous. I I think it's interesting because I have no skin in this game. Yeah. um, Because I don't know how prominent, I I know the story tells me it happens all the time, but I don't know how prominent this is or how much you're going to miss it. Um, I feel like we need to, there might be a couple of people in the audience who don't know who these characters are yeah. and the relationship between them or the shtick, you know, why this is a big deal. Yeah. Bart Simpson is, I think he's perpetually what, eight years old is, is so, how old yeah. he's supposed to be. He's either seven or eight, somewhere in there. And he's the, the bad boy. I mean, he's the one who never follows the rules and gets in trouble. Even on the opening of the show, he's always writing on the chalkboard. It's always a different thing that he has to copy over and over and over again. But the assumption is that he's gotten in trouble for something. So, yeah, I mean, and, and his dad, Homer, is a beer-swilling lout who every so often gets mad enough that he grabs him by the throat and kind of shakes him, you know? And mm-hmm. and it's a funny bit on a cartoon, but I, I, I think there's a danger in coming too close to believing that people think cartoons are reality. Or that kids who are going to watch it are going to imitate it yeah. or think that it's okay. I've always considered The Simpsons to be an adult show. This uh, is not a cartoon that little kids are supposed to watch. Case could be made, sure. I, you know, I mean, it's it's this isn't Saturday morning cartoons. No, that's true. I, I think of it more along the lines of um, something like Sesame Street where they have to write everything on two levels. They write some of it on the kid level, and then they write stuff that's going to go way over the kid's head so that mom and dad can sit there and watch it with them and not get bored. I sort of wonder how this decision came to be. Somebody said they made this decision in 2011. Okay. Uh, it has took been them 15 fe- years I know, to do right? it. It's been featured in episodes since 1989. Um, he said that he actually has not strangled Bart in years. The last time Homer was seen strangling his son was in season 31 
that aired in 2019. This show has been on the air. Yeah. Almost since 1989. Years. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there you go. That's the, which also I think plays to the significance of doing something, a show that is that iconic that's been on the air for that long says we don't need to have this anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's not like they haven't made changes before. Uh, did they get rid of Apu entirely or did they just change his voice? I don't remember. But I don't I, remember. I, that's the last big dust up that I remember on The Simpsons is that they were going to do something about uh, maybe they just got a different actor to do it. But for the longest time, they had Hank Azaria affecting an Indian accent to do the voice of Apu. And that changed at some point. Somebody who watches The Simpsons, because neither of us does, will have to fill us in on that. But, um, you know, they've tried to keep up with the times somewhat. But, I, I mean, was it a thing that people complained about? Or is it just something that they internally said, you know what, let's not do this? The word cringy comes to mind. Like, it's fine for people that have been a fan of the show for a long time yeah. and know that that's what, because they've just seen it so much, they're just used to it. Mm -hmm. But I can totally see there being a conversation in a boardroom somewhere or in an office somewhere saying, <laughs> for people who are watching this show for the first time, the second or third generation or whatever we're on now, I can see them saying, okay, it's cringy. Let's take it out. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that meeting happening, and I can see me being the one in the meeting going, I can't believe I'm sitting here <laughs> listening to this. Because uh -huh. be, because I like, and maybe it's what I grew up watching, but I like my cartoons to be anarchic and weird and have no rules because that's why they're cartoons. In fact, there was an old Warner Brothers cartoon where the whole theme of the cartoon was you can do anything in a cartoon. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody gets hurt. You know, there's a reason why you see a Daffy Duck get his beak blasted off, and then he's fine in the next frame. That, that's, that, the, the rule with cartoons is that, is that there are no rules. So to see them come a little bit closer to the line when we're talking about something that's supposed to be silly and out there and weird, it just means that, to me, they're losing a little bit of their soul. But if you're starting to watch it for the, if you're 12 and you are going to be the generation that watches this for the next 20 years, mm -hmm. does it change it for you? If you're just starting to watch it, do you notice it? I, yeah, I'd have to be 12. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't really put myself in the headspace of a 12 year old who grew up between 2010 and now. Yeah. Okay. Because it's a different world from the one that I grew up in. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a fair question. But what I can do is think back to, you know, did did watching Yosemite Sam or Elmer Fudd blow Daff, Daffy's beak off or come after uh, Bugs Bunny with a scimitar time after time after time after time when I was a kid, did that in any way warp me or, you know, did, did it... Did it ruin my upbringing? And no, clearly the answer is no, because we knew the difference between cartoons and real life. And many studies have shown that to be true. Yeah. I mean, with video games, that video games were considered to be, you know, such the such the enemy for a long time. No, it generally doesn't lead to kids imitating the violence that they see. And a little bit closer in time, I guess, to now is what some of you are bringing up on the text line, which is if South Park stops killing Kenny... You know, if that running joke goes away, and I mean, that's a lot more than Homer just grabbing Bart by the throat and, you know, throttling him a little bit. They killed off Kenny in almost every episode of South Park. So it's almost like without that, it's not the same show. You're kind of being cheated a little bit because 
I'm I'm sure in the same way that some people watch NASCAR races for the crashes, there are some mm-hmm. people who watch South Park just so that they can see how Kenny gets killed off this week. The only difference to me is that South Park is definitely geared for an older audience. That's true. Yes. That can make that choice for themselves. And we're not talking about having to worry about kids. That's definitely, frankly, an adult male audience mostly. Um, <laughs> you noticed. I was just I was just looking to see how long. That's been on the air since 1997. That's yep. when I graduated high school. Holy cow. Okay. So no more strangling Bart mm. on The Simpsons. Yeah, I, I we'll mean, see if anybody notices. Like you said, I have no dog in this fight either because it's not like I'm going to miss it. I knew it happened because I've seen mm-hmm. little clips and things like that. But, you know, for for purists, for people who have watched it since 1989 or have seen every episode of it, I wonder how they're going to feel about it. Yeah. All right. Thanks to everybody for getting in here. Uh, we'll take a break. Coming up, event coming up soon at the Truman Library that we go further into next here on KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Always fun when we can be talking a little bit more about the Truman Library. Special event coming up one week today that marks the release of a new book as well. Yes, and we have the author of that book online with us who will be there at the Truman Museum for all of this. Matthew Algio is uh, giving us a brand new one called When Harry Met Pablo, Truman, Picasso, and the Cold War Politics of Modern Art. That's on the heels of Harry Truman's Excellent Adventure. And Matthew Algio, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, about Picasso because this is the first time hearing that Pablo Picasso and and Harry Truman were ever in the same room together. But we've got to talk some about the adventure as well. Tell us about how the Picasso meeting happened. Yeah, so uh, Harry uh, hated modern art and he hated communists, uh, but the uh, <laughs> director of the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Um, Alfred Barr had heard that Harry was going on this Mediterranean cruise. This is the summer of 58. So it's about five years after uh, Truman left the White House. And uh, Barr, the uh, director at MoMA, had always wanted to get Harry interested in modern art to convert him to the modern viewpoint, as he put it. But Harry always resisted. So when Barr heard that he was going to France, he thought, well, what better person to convince Truman of the benefits of modern art than Pablo Picasso? 
So he quietly arranged this meeting between Truman and Picasso that uh, took place in June of 58, and he did it very slyly. He sort of made Picasso think that Truman really wanted to meet him, and he made Truman think that Picasso really wanted to meet him. So it was quite a, quite a coup to pull this meeting off. Okay, so what do we know about the meeting, and, and did they click? They did, and that's what's really fascinating because they're very different people, you know. Harry was really salt of the earth, a family guy. Uh, Picasso had wives and multiple children with multiple women, and uh, at the time, in fact, he was uh, living with a woman who was not his wife, which, of course, Bess was not very happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really did enjoy the, enjoy the day they spent together. In fact, it originally had been planned that they would just go have lunch uh, at Picasso's uh, estate in, uh, near, uh, near Cannes. And But when lunch was done, uh, Picasso offered to take them around and show them some of the sites, mostly sites to deal with uh, himself, Picasso, because he was very egocentric. So he took them to his studio, and then they took him, uh, they took, uh, he took them to uh, uh, his uh, a museum uh, that is now the uh, largest Picasso museum. So it, it really was kind of interesting how these two people who were really opposites in so many ways really, really hit it off. Well, yeah. I mean, even on your website, which by the way is malgeo.net, M-A-L-G-E-O.net. You can learn more about the book, uh, When Harry Met Pablo there, and all of the other books that uh, our guest Matthew Algeo has written. And, and you put it perfectly. I mean, that dichotomy of of, you know, here on one side, you have one of the most famous paintings to come out of the, the Spanish Civil War era in, in Guernica. And the man who painted that is in the same room with the guy who authorized dropping the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. I mean, right. you wanted to, so I guess the, the question in that is, did they talk politics at all? You know, I think they avoided talking politics. And all the reports we get from the day they spent together largely come from a couple that accompanied the Trumans on their trip, Sam and Dorothy Rosenman. Sam Rosenman had been his uh, uh, White House counsel, and they became very good friends. So fortunately, Dorothy kept, uh, kept notes and wrote about the trip. Though she seems to imply that politics was not much discussed, that art was much discussed. And uh, Harry didn't hold back his opinions to Picasso, apparently, about what he thought about the art. Um, But Picasso was able to roll with the punches. But whether they ever got down to that nitty gritty, I don't think that happened. Did they keep in touch after that meeting? Uh, You know, I I don't think they did. Um, I I do think, though, that uh, there, there was the meeting itself was the, the symbolism of the meeting itself was very important. You know, Truman was very anti-modern art, but at the time in America, there was a, a movement aligned with McCarthyism to uh, to censor art, to maybe stop museums who displayed modern art from getting government funding because people on the right thought modern art was synonymous with communism. So the symbolism of Truman, who was virulently anti-communist, meeting with Picasso, who was a very famous communist, I think had a, had an effect of really softening attitudes uh, towards modern art in the U.S. And then just two years after this meeting, JFK is elected, and, and, and JFK invites to his inaugural some modern artists. So 
you really see a pretty big change in the decade of the 50s about attitudes toward modern art. So I don't think they stayed in touch. But I do think the meeting had some consequence. Definitely. And and I want to go back, as we mentioned, and talk a little bit about the previous book, the one that came out in 09, Harry Truman's Excellent Adventure, because I think in their own ways, I mean, that took place in 1953, right after Truman was out of office. Mm-hmm. The meeting that you're talking about with Picasso was five years later in 1958. Mm-hmm. And I think that really underscores the fact that, that post-presidency, Harry Truman really had a thirst for sort of enriching himself, uh, finding out the things that he didn't know yet. Talk a little bit about that post-presidency and what that period meant to him and to Bess. Yeah, uh, there are a couple interesting things about it. When he left the White House in 53, ex-presidents did not receive a pension and they did not uh, receive Social Security protection. So on on this trip in 1958, there was no Secret Service accompanying them. And in in 1953, uh, in, in Excellent Adventure, I write about a road trip they took from Independence to the East Coast and back that summer. And there were no attendants or bodyguards or security of any kind. So Harry really was able to go back and and live something close to a normal life in those first five years after he left the White House. And he really, I think he relished that. He really enjoyed meeting people. He could strike up a conversation with anybody. It was amazing. And he would talk to people the guy who filled his, uh, you know, who pumped the gas at the gas station and his son, who was the uh, attendant washing the windows, the uh, the waitress at the diners they stopped at, the clerk at the motel they stayed at. He would have conversations with these people and they all to to a person said, it, you know, it was like you were the most important person in the world when you talked to him. I mean, he was such a good politician uh, because of the way he connected with people, I think. And I think he really enjoyed them. I think that really kind of invigorated him and he loved to travel. So he was able to travel pretty easily in those first few years after he left the White House. Matthew, where does your interest in Truman come from? You know, I I, I like these little stories that kind of give you a way to tell the bigger story about 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 people, especially Truman. And Truman's one of these guys. He lived such an eventful life. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, you could say. World War One vet, the haberdashery goes out of business. He, you know, gets a job on the Jackson County uh, board. He uh, uh, then is senator and vice president, and, and and all these things that happen. That I think when somebody lives a life that eventful, some of the smaller episodes kind of get lost in the shuffle. I, I like to say the, um, you know, the story about him and Bass driving across the country in '53. Well, in David McCullough's book, which is the you know, the gold standard of Truman biographies, that story takes a a paragraph. That's all it gets. And I remember reading that and thinking, well, wow, there must be there must be more behind this, right? He got pulled over by a cop on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. So, <laughs> so I, I think the way, you know, sometimes the way to get into these characters that are just so larger than life is to to find these little stories. And I think Truman's life is just full of them. Yeah. Imagine hearing, do you know how fast you were going, Mr. President? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just you're right. It is fascinating stuff. And I, I wonder just to sort of dovetail off of that for a minute, uh, as you said, he could strike up a conversation or hold a conversation with absolutely anybody. You and I, unfortunately, will never have the opportunity mm. to to have that conversation with him. But if you did, what would you want to talk to him about? Well, I would love to know what he thought of me writing a book about <laughs> a, an inconsequential, inconsequential drive he took across the country. And, uh, you know, one day he spent with this 
with this artist. I think he would find that quite amusing. Um, I, I could think of a million things to ask Harry Truman about. Really, I, I think you would just start with, how was your day, sir? And he would take it from there. <laughs> So we know the book is released next week. That's the day you're going to be here. We'll talk about that in a second. But what next then? What if you were to do another book or maybe you have that plan in the works? What's your next area of interest? Oh, man, let me just get this book out there first. <laughs> I know. We, I know. We, no pressure. No pressure. Next, next <laughs> week here. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a million ideas. It's hard to hard to get a book published you know you got to convince the the publisher you have to convince a lot of people you have a good story and i got a ton of stories but i, I don't know how good they are but i'm content to 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 uh just think about harry for the next couple months is right well it was our publisher that wanted us to ask you that so you know like i said the pressure's <laughs> off no it is it's fa it's a fascinating world also books about rfk uh all this marvelous potential and a book called the president is, is a sick man which by the way is about one of the most utterly painful things that a human being could possibly imagine imagine you're out at sea lashed to a mast so that you can't move while surgery is performed on you while the waves are rocking the boat and you're the president of the United States. Yeah, it was a rough day for Grover Cleveland there. Uh, <laughs> July 1st, 1893. I'm sure he didn't remember it very fondly. I would imagine not. And and the fact is that's that tumor that was removed from him is at the bed to the best of my knowledge is still on display at the Mutter Museum yeah, in Philly. Yeah, so yeah, in Philadelphia. If, yep. you, if you're if you have a hankering for a presidential tumor, that's the place to go. There you go. <laughs> the, the books again, you can find them all all the information online at M A L G E O. That's Matthew Algio. Uh his name M net. All the books are there, and uh, you'll be at the Truman Museum next week. We'll look forward to seeing you there. And uh, thank you so much for talking to us about the new one. Oh, thank you, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. You, you got it. That's Best good. of luck with When Harry Met Pablo. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll take a break. We'll be back here in just a couple of minutes on KMBZ. We are wrapping things up here on a Tuesday. Okay, we go to uh, Yellowstone National Park for this next story that I believe we have audio. I believe it had to be, um, if not edited, it had to be carefully Just, trimmed. Yes, trimmed is a, is a better way to put it, because what you're going to hear is what happened inside a car. It was actually inside a, a truck that was going through Yellowstone, and uh, presumably husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend are, are in the car. They're talking to each other. At the same time, he's talking to an elk that's standing right dead center of the roadway in front of them. So he slows down and rolls down the window, which has got to be one of the worst moves of all time, even though he didn't pay for it that way. You'll hear why in a second. But he rolls the window down and starts taunting this massive elk that's standing there in the roadway looking at him like, buddy. You don't want to do that. Now, go, go ahead and roll the audio, and then we'll explain what you're hearing. Watch out, buddy. Or fight. There's the window going down. Right. You want to go, bud? Now, what you just heard was, I mean, as he's driving by, clearly the elk is getting more and more agitated <laughs> with the fact that this guy is is leaning out of the window going, you want to go? And the elk said, yeah, no problem. I'll go and put his head down and rammed into the side of the truck. And that noise you heard was the air escaping his tire, which now has a giant elk horn hole in it. 
Yeah, um, I like the way that Yahoo Life put it, leading to a satisfying hissing noise yeah. as the rubber deflated. And then, well, there you go, said the passenger. That's Yeah, that's what you hear the, the woman yeah. in the passenger seat say, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to go. She ended up by saying something else that we had to mm-hmm. cut off there. But uh, yeah, clearly the elk won that round. And it just goes to show again, don't taunt Mother Nature if you don't know what you're doing. What a dummy. Like, yep. what a, you just tried to be, he can't under, he can't understand you. What do you think you're doing? Yeah. Are you showing off for, is this a showing off for a girl thing? Sounds like it. Yeah. He, yeah. He wanted to show, oh, okay, I'll be the big man. And I mean, wh- first of all, why are you rolling the window down? What, right. what, As if he can hear you. Like, yeah. well, and even if he could, like you said, like he would understand. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly he did want to go and you end up, ended up taking the worst of it. I absolutely love this. I hope you enjoyed that flat tire in the middle of Yellowstone National Park where AAA probably doesn't go. With an angry elk standing right outside your truck. Yeah, good luck going to change the tire. Still there. The elk was still, (laughs) like, I want to know what happened after that. Did the elk finally say, I win? Yeah. I'll go on my merry way now. Or did he just try and drive it off on the rim? Oh, my gosh. People are dumb sometimes. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about the spider story because then we'll talk about this python out of Florida while we're at it. Um, what are we doing with spider corpses? Well, you know, we're reanimating them, Jamie. Were they animated in the first place? Well, they, they were at one point animated and then they died. So now uh, scientists are working on ways to reanimate their dead bodies in a way that we can control, which will certainly never come back to bite us in the butt in some kind of horror movie <laughs> nightmare fashion. Uh-huh. I mean, can't we take dead spiders and just take the win? Hey, the spider's dead. Awesome. No, we can't do that. So what these guys are doing, these guys, actually one of them being a guy, the other one being a woman, Faye Yap and Daniel Preston, are working on a way to take a spider corpse and turn it into a gripper. You know what is a gripper? Like the thing that you use to get stuff down off the high shelf and you pull the little thing, you pull the lever and it grabs the, the cup for you so you don't smash it on the counter. That, but they're doing it on a much smaller scale with spider bodies. They they say that um, they dubbed the use of bio, biotic materials for robotic parts necrobiotics, or the uh, science of the nature of dead things, so that they can, if you need to grab something really tiny, you can use one of these spider corpses and you hit one button and it opens up all the legs, and then you put it down over what you're trying to grab, and you let go, and the and the legs curl up again and grab what you're trying to get, and then you can pull it out. Can't we just use synthetic material for this? <laughs> You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? Rubber is pretty flexible. Yeah, I, yeah. Why this? I have not the slightest idea. Now, the good news about this is that every year, as there exists the Nobel Prizes, There Mm -hmm. exists an opposite group called the Ig Nobel Prizes, aptly named because it's for the most ridiculous use of uh, research money that the the, uh, people with the Ig Nobel Prizes could find. And this won this year. So using spiders as little tiny dead grippers apparently was, in their mind, a poor use of the funds. They said this was the first time a full animal was used as a robot. (laughs) Well, congratulations. (laughs) Yay! Good for you. Everybody needs to leave their mark on the world. 
and this can be yours. Just, yeah. It's like, oh, wait, let me get my grip. What do you do? I mean, the spider's body is eventually going to decompose completely, won't it? Yeah, and just disintegrate, and it's just going to fall apart. Yeah, it's only going to be good for a little while anyway, but they were uh, apparently really happy about their little necrobots. Which doesn't remind me of that Gene Simmons movie at all. Because that's what we need is more little spider robots running around. Yeesh, the very idea just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I didn't really need the pictures in this story, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. There's or animation. The video. Oh, they show you. Yeah, they show you yeah. the whole thing at work. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. Close that tab. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to happier stories out of Florida about the biggest ever Burmese serpent caught in Florida. I mean, it's basically dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, 17 feet long. 198 pounds of snake. It's the biggest one ever caught. Second heaviest. Sorry. Second heaviest reported ever in the state. Yeah. There, there was me. there was one other one that went 215 pounds, but it was shorter. I guess it was just a fatter okay. snake. So, yeah, this is the longest one at 17 feet long. If you needed another reason to stay out of the Everglades, this is it. I'm looking at the room I'm in. Uh-huh. And trying to, I should keep, we do this often. I should keep a tape measure in here. Okay. Like to the end of my living room. The guys, is what we're talking the guys in the picture who are carrying this thing, there's five of them standing shoulder to shoulder, and the guys on each end have their arms on the outside fully extended, and they still don't have all of the snake in their hands. Nor can they get their arms all the way around it yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah. Like, the the thickness of it is, um, ew. Ew. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh... Here's your, if you're grossed out, uh, the remains of a deer, including its hooves, were found in her stomach. This is a she. Okay. So they um, opened it up to see. Yeah. Um, Remember that scene in I, Jaws where they pull out the license plate? <laughs> it's kind of like that. The he- So there's a picture on here of the head. Uh-huh. This can't be, that can't be to scale. This has got to be a weird camera angle. Well, it right? is, it, it is to a degree because it makes the head of the snake look as big as the heads of the guys who are standing there holding it. It's not, yeah. it's not quite that big. You're right. Perspective has something to say about this, but look at his fist that's around the yeah. snake's neck. That snake's head is twice as big as this guy's fist. Why? Um, they are uh, highly invasive, pose a threat to native species in Florida. Yep. I get why we need to get rid of them. I, I mean, I, to, I totally understand. Who are the people that go out and do this for thrills? Anybody. Which is There's the, no money in it, right? Well, unless you do it during the weekly, or not weekly, the, the annual python hunt in Florida, in which case there is a bounty for mm-hmm. each one you bring in. I forget how much it is, and there's a grand prize that's involved in that as well. But you can go out there anytime, and there's no, there's no licensing, there's no nothing. If you want to go out in the glades and hunt python, out you go. How do you kill something like this? How how do we, how are we? Machete. It's the best way to. I mean, really, we're just yeah, just hacking. Hack the hack the head off the snake and you're done. They didn't do that with this one. Uh, I as a matter of fact, I don't. I'm not exactly sure how they killed this one, but they did. They just said animals must be humanely killed on site at the time of capture. Yeah, but they don't say how. So you're not you're not dragging them out of the glades alive. 
Right. You got to kill them right when you find them. Um, and, and yeah, that seems like it would be the easiest way to do it. Matthias said the, the self-dubbed Python Huntress caught a 17-foot snake herself back in 2020, uh, an achievement that seems to be a rite of passage. You know, I spent a lot of time in Florida. I don't remember that rite of passage. I am surprised, given your aversion to the outdoors, that you like that you lived in Florida for so long. It was not by choice. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Not, I would have <laughs> given anything. Yeah, I had to get out over the wall, you know, late at night in a balloon. But you dedicated enough, you can pull it off. You're welcome, everyone. To end with that one, uh, <laughs> we will uh, turn this over to Dana and Parks. Be back Wednesday on KMBZ. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.